Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hello, and welcome to the 88th episode of Journey into Passion with Anika S. on Everyday Folks Radio. It is 3 p.m. on November 13, 2021, and I'm your host, Anika Madison. Don't forget to keep up with Everyday Folks Radio programming right here on www.blogtalkradio.com slash everydayfolksradio. And make sure that you are going to tune in on November the 11th for the, I'm sorry, tune in on November 15th for the 11th episode of JIP Inspiration Moment. We're going to continue celebrating caregivers, and we are going to be talking about inspiring caregivers not to give up on their passion and three tips on how to do it. So that will post this Monday. November 15th at 7 a.m. on my Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash journey into passion with Nikki S. And on Instagram at https colon slash slash www.instagram.com slash Nikki underscore S dot underscore Madison. And, of course, you can see that information on my promos as well. Happy birthday or happy anniversary weekend to all who are celebrating Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. You know my rules. If you are celebrating on any of those days, the weekend belongs to you. And a very special happy anniversary shout-out to the Healthy Habits coach, Stephen Anderson, and his lovely bride, Vanessa, on their first year of marriage. And, of course, happy happy National Family Caregivers Month. And thank you to all of the caregivers for your sacrifice and your care. You are appreciated. If you have a question or comment during today's live broadcast or even after the show, send an email to anikepassionjourney at gmail.com. If you're listening to the live show right now, you can call 347-539-5372. And let me know when you're ready to ask your question or make your comment by pressing 1 on your keypad. First-time caregivers, this show is for you. Welcome to the caregiving community, and thank you for taking on such an important role. So if you don't know already, my story is for the last two and a half years of my dad's life, I was his primary caregiver, and I was taking care of him through chemotherapy and through all different kinds of various appointments. And one day, his primary care physician told me that he wishes everybody had the notes that I had to provide during the visit because it was well-organized and it gave him all the information that he needs to actually make his job better. And I thought if I'm giving him something to help him make his job better, I definitely want to have this for other caregivers as well because I know that I I knew at that moment I had something. And that's when I wrote Step-by-Step Caregiver's Guide for Medical Appointments and Hospital Visits because I realized that I needed to create a resource for other caregivers. And so that is actually the resource that I'm going to be using today during this show. 
and you can pick up your copy on Amazon.com. I have a link that, that will help you. You know me. I always have one link, one place. You can go to www.anikamadison.net. They'll take you to the link, and it will also give you the, the address. If you live in the South Florida area, you can go to the Sunnyland Bookstores, the Sunnyland Books and Books location at 11297 South Dixie Highway, Pinecrest, Florida, 33156. And you can purchase the, a copy there. Please support your local bookstores. And so I decided that not only was I going to write this book, but I was going to do other things as well, create these, these shows and other upcoming things. Stay tuned because I have some other things that I am working on as well for caregivers because I have such a heart for caregivers. And I want to do all I can to be of assistance. And so um, what I'm talking about today, what I'm talking about in the videos that you've seen, if you've been keeping up with the JIP Inspiration Moment, and next week you will hear a lot of, about my journey and about the information that I can provide. And next week on November 20th at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, join myself, my mom, Sylvia Madison, and my coworker, Nita Itzel, for the Caregivers Roundtable. We are going to be talking about the caregiving journey from different perspectives, and I think this is going to be a really important show. First-time caregivers, I really hope that you tune in, because all of us have different journeys. It's not going to look the same. And I'm going to be talking about my experience as a person who was living at home. I'm going to be talking, and my mom is going to be sharing her experience working full-time and being a caregiver, and she also had long-distance caregiving uh, background. So she had a lot going on, and I really i am looking forward to talking to her about that. I think her journey was a lot more difficult than mine. And my coworker's experience of working at home, being a caregiver, and then returning to work, and how that experience is, that all those are very different and very tough experiences, and so we're going to be talking about all of that. Today, I will be providing five tips for first-time caregivers, and like I said, I'm going to be referencing my book, and so if you do have a copy, go ahead and, and, and take that out, and I want to thank you for, for purchasing the copy, and um, let's get started because I have a lot to share. So now that you're a caregiver, what do you do first? First, you breathe. Let's do that right now. Take a deep breath and breathe. Because I know that a lot of times when you look at this, this role for the very first time, the first thing that you think is, oh, my goodness, I am overwhelmed. There's a lot to, to remember and think about. And that's one of the main reasons why I am here, because I want to help you in that area, especially when it comes to medical visits. So tips for your pre-journey. Self-care. That sounds crazy. Why I'm going to be a caregiver, you're talking about self-care. The very first thing that you have to understand is that when you're a caregiver, you're going to be giving a lot of your time. So if you do have time before your journey or if you have any time for preparation and if you don't make time for it, because one of the things you want to do is you want to get yourself ready. You want to make sure that you 
are okay. So if you have prescriptions to, to get, if you have um, information that you need to gather for yourself, make sure that you start there. So maybe you need to take care of some projects. Maybe you need to take care of some time-consuming things. Try to do that first. And then work out how you're going to take care of yourself physically, emotionally, financially, every, every way. Just write it out and think about how you are going to take care of yourself. That is one of the first things that you want to do. And then you want to really think about the journey itself and what, you, what you're going to be doing. Think about the person. Have a conversation with the patient. Now, I'm going to explain why I say the patient right now because I know I'm going to say that a lot and you may be thinking, why is she saying the patient? There's two parts to that. I say the patient because they are the patient. They're not your patient. I want to make that very clear. Even if you are a healthcare worker and you have that background, outside of emergencies, you want to separate the actual care of the health, the medical side, and just concentrating on being the caregiver. You have enough on your plate. That's a lot by itself. And you don't want to be involved in making medical decisions, even if you have a medical background. Let the medical professionals do their job and you do yours, and then you communicate on how the overall care can work. Very, very important. So they are the patient, and in that patient, patient, put on your patient hat. Put on your patient hat for yourself, for the patient, and for the medical providers. You have to be, you have to be patient in this whole entire process. It's going to pull on your patient, and you just have to do that for yourself. And have empathy. That's the another thing. I talk about that. And this is on page two of my book. I talk about that because really sympathy is fine, but as a caregiver, you want to have empathy. You want to be able to understand, walk in their shoes. Why is that important? Because you have to understand that there's a lot for them to deal with as well as you. I have the benefit of being a caregiver and the patient. So I know both sides. And I know that you're sacrificing a lot, and as a patient, they are as well, because you have to understand there's a lot of things being taken away from you, a lot of abilities being taken away from you. And so especially if you're in a position where you can no longer care for yourself, you have to think about what that does to a person mentally. And so when you are a caregiver, it's more important to be empathetic and you literally feel like, okay, this is what it's like to be in this person's shoes. Sit down and have a conversation with them. How do they feel? How do they feel about this experience? How do they feel about their care so far? Do uh, changes need to be made? You know, if they have to go to a facility, how do they feel about that? What are their wishes? If, even if there's no indication that they will pass away, if that comes to it, what do they feel about that? Would they want to be home? Are they okay to be in a facility? Because I can tell you that the mental health is just as important as the physical health 
when it comes to this journey. When it comes to your health, it's not just physical, it's also mental. And people actually come back from something devastating because of what they did mentally just as much as they do physically. So you really want to do that for them and for yourself so you can have a full understanding of what it is that this patient needs and what you need to do to provide great care for them as their caregiver. So that's, those are your pre, pre-journey steps. Sit down and talk to the patient. Talk to the providers, the medical providers, family members or friends, anybody who is well-versed on their care and what they need, have conversations with them. Write copious notes. You cannot have too many notes. You can narrow it down, but you can't have too many. You want to have as much information as possible. Write it, write it, write it, and, have it, and just have it all ready for you because what we're going to be talking about today is building that resource, and then I want you to have it ready for you at your fingertips, at the ready, whenever you can. All right? So make sure that you're doing that for yourself. And then tips for setting up your resource. In Chapter 2 of my book, Step-by-Step Caregiver's Guide for Medical Appointments and Hospital Visits, I write about gathering information from the patient, like I was talking about. And then also I want you to be very clear about not only what they need mentally and physically, but, of course, you want to get into the, the actual condition of the patient. What is their condition? You want to be clear on that? You don't want, it's not enough to say they have cancer. What kind of cancer? Um, where is it located? What is it, what is it causing? Is it causing backaches or physical illness? You want to be clear on all of that because I can tell you as a caregiver, you want to be, when you're at these medical appointments, you want to know as much as you actually want to be the, the, the person that knows the most, the second person knows the most. The first person is going to be the medical provider, but you want to be the person that knows the most about that patient on the next, next on the list because you want to be able to provide as much information as possible to that medical provider. So be, that's very, very important. And so when you're actually creating this resource for yourself, you want to kind of organize it in a way so that you can really provide the information each and every time. And as you do that, you, as you repeat it over and over and over again, it will get into your mind and then you'll develop your, the resource in your, in your brain. But I can tell you, don't bother with um, just trying to memorize. Don't bother with that. Create the resource and go off the resource. You don't want to do that because, especially if you're in a stressful situation, it's easy to forget things when you're stressed out. So don't bother with the memorization. Write it down and go from the resource. All right, so take a big deep breath. We're 15 minutes, 16 minutes in, so let's breathe. All right, we're doing all right. Okay, if you have any questions or comments, please call. Um, let's see, let's get that number here. We got 349-539-5372. Press 1 on your keypad when you're ready to ask your question or make your comment. 
And, of course, I'm watching my email at anikepassionjourney at gmail.com, anikepassionjourney at gmail.com, that's A-N-I-K-A, passionjourney, one word, at gmail.com. So if you want have any questions, um, and if it's personal, because I know that this is a personal topic, so if it's personal and the subject rhymes right personal, that way I won't share who it was from. I'll just um, ask the question or comment. So if you want to be anonymous, that is not a problem. Write personal, and, and it will just be me presenting the actual question or comment and not who it's from. Okay? All right. So now let's get to the tips for resource items. Of course, one of the main tips, one of the main resources is my book. And what I've done is when I actually first wrote this up, I wrote it as a course. And then my dear friend, Dr. Cindy Milligan, those of you who have tuned into the show before, you know her. Um, she looked at she said, you have a book. And I, I looked at it and I said, you're absolutely right. And so I, I changed the format and I made it into a book. And thank God for my, my friend, Beverly Blazy Haig, who helped me to edit it. And then uh, Crystal Shepherd, who helped me to get this great um, cover for it. And it's, it's you know when you when you're doing things like this as a caregiver, you notice how I talked about the help. Ask for help, and when people offer you help, accept it. And you know because this is this takes a, sometimes a community effort. And if you can get some help, because some people can't get any help at all. But if you're blessed with somebody offering help and they actually come through for you, take that because you, you can use it. You absolutely can use it. And so when I first wrote this, I wrote this as a course, and now as it's kind of set up that way because it, when in the book what I'm doing is breaking down each section, patients' wishes, medications, condition notes, that's something new. And, and then I get into other types of appointments. Today, because of our time frame, I'm only going to be concerned with the primary care, care physician visits. Um, I do talk about hospital, ER, um, physical therapy. I talk about other things in the book. Um, but for today, I'm going to be concentrating on that primary care physician visit. And the primary care physician, of course, is the person that um, takes care of the overall care, right? So when you're going to that particular visit, um, that's really the doctor you want to be able to get a lot of information from um, because they kind of know everything overall. So when you're trying to, to really understand what the condition is, what the medications are, this is a great resource for you. And, there, and the nurse is another great resource as well. And when you're talking about appointments, the medical assistant, if they have one, is a great resource. So you want to really get get to know these people and, and, and gather information. Um, I have a chapter on getting organized, and it's in reference to the medications, because there's three areas where you want, you want to be organized. Let me just backtrack. You want to be organized overall. But there are three main areas where you really want to be organized. Appointments, medications, and treatments. 
You really want to be organized, and these are also three areas where you don't want to get it wrong. There are going to be instances where you don't get everything right. It's a learning experience. You're new to this. You have to give yourself grace. But those three areas, you don't want to get wrong. So that's why you just refer to the resource. Don't bother with trying to remember anything. Just refer to the resource, okay? Treatment, medications, and um, appointments. Get that straight and have that written down and organized. And I suggest a Word document, Excel. You can use, even use PowerPoint if you want, but something where you can actually list it out and you can see it in bullet points or in numerical order. And uh, that will really, really help you. So once you've gotten all the inf- you've gathered all the information from the patient, medical providers, anybody who knows about the care, you want to start organizing it. And a way to start organizing it, I found it because when you, when you actually go to the medical visit, they ask you questions in a certain order. So I decided that it would be so much easier just to put it in the order that I'm at. So, as a, so when you actually create these resources, keep in mind that you not only want to have it for yourself, but you want to have it so that you can give it to the, the medical provider to copy and give back to you. Let me repeat that. You want to create something that you can give to them to copy and give back. Ink is expensive, <laughs> and you are a caregiver, and your resources are probably limited. So ask them for it back. <laughs> they make a copy. They can afford that and give it back. And then you can update it as needed. So the, when, you wanna, when, you create these re, when you create these pages, depending on the care of the patient, the condition, and what they're dealing with, you might have multiple pages. Um, you, you can have a lot of pages. You can have a whole thick book of pages. It just depends on what the care is, what's needed. At the top of each and every page, you want to have the patient's full name and date of birth. Why? Because if you're actually giving these pages to the medical providers and getting it back, um, if they lose a page, maybe some, a page gets into another patient's chart, they'll know where it goes. So at the top of each page, name of the, full name of the patient, their date of birth. That's what they ask you all the time. Start with that. Then you want to have the primary care physician's information. What you want to do is make sure that you have the full information, their full name, full contact, full address, phone number, everything spelled out, email, nurse's name, contact, medical professional's name, whoever else that, that you have in contact with, after hours number. Have all of that information spelled out for the primary caregiver. Then you want to have the full information, just like you have it for the primary care physician, have it for the pharmacy. Because they're going to ask you for prescriptions, they want to have the, the information in the system so that they can electronically send prescriptions to them. Full name of the, the pharmacy. Full, full um, phone number, address, fax number, email if they have it. And what you want to do in selecting a pharmacy is you want to select a pharmacy that's not too far from you and that at least at minimum has 12 hours being open. 
24 if you can get it. You never know what happens. Caregiving, the experience is, you, you never know. So at 3 o'clock in the morning, something can happen, and you want to be able to get to the pharmacy as needed. So 24 hours if you can get it, as close to you as possible, a minimum of 12 hours being open, and then develop a, a relationship with that pharmacist. You want to have one pharmacy. You might have specialized medications. You have to go elsewhere, but for the majority of the, the, the medications, you want to go to one place so that if they, you know, they deal with drug interactions, um, this person knows them. If you have questions, they know the patient. It's a lot easier and a lot better and easier on you and the patient. They go to one location as, as close to you as possible, okay? And then medications, have them organized in a way that is functional for you. The functional way that I had it is that I had the, the full name of the medication, how it's taken, whether it's teaspoon, 20 milliliters, whatever it is, then I had how often, take it once a day, twice a day, morning, evening. Then I had um, how it's taken, water, with water, with food. Um, you have to have juice, whatever it, whatever it is. And then who prescribed it? Because those are the top questions that you're going to be asked. And so that's where I spelled it out. And here's a tip that a lot of people don't really pay attention to, but I think it's very important. Make sure you know how to pronounce the medication. Can you imagine being in a situation, an emergency situation, and the doctor says, emergency, I'm telling you, you have two minutes, hot. Well, maybe you might have five minutes, but at least two minutes, and they need, they need to go. So that ER doctor asks you, what is this medication they're taking and what is it for? They don't want to hear monoxynil. That's not going to work. You have to be able to pronounce that medication, tell them the dosage, tell them what it's for, whatever their questions are. So that's why you want to have it spelled out under that pharmacy, spell out the meds, and in the way that I was describing because that is going to be very helpful to you. And like I said, don't bother memorizing. Pull it out. Pull out that resource. This is, and, and, and if you have to phonetically spell it out, Menoxenil. <laughs> if you have to do it that way, do it that way. Whatever it takes so that you can make sure that you say it correctly and that you provide the right information. And then I organized it personally on how they were taking it. So I did the morning meds at the top, afternoon in the middle, evening, in, evening at the end. And that was so much easier for me. It made life easier for me when I was at home, and it made life easier for me when I was presenting the information. And I really spell it out in Chapter 4 of my book. Um, I really give you a, a good resource on how to actually create this. So as you can tell, we're building our resource, right? We've got the information on the patient at the top. We've got the medications going on. We've got the, the, the pharmacy. So we're really, really building it. Okay, so we're halfway through the show. I'm going to do a check. If you have any questions, because I know I'm throwing out a lot of information here, and, you know, we only have an hour, right? But you always got the book to, to refer to. So 
347-539-5372. Press 1 on your keypad when you are ready to ask a question. And I'm monitoring my emails at Anike, A-N-I-K-A, passionjourney at gmail.com. And that email is not just for the live show. It's for any time. I'm always checking this email. So if you think about something, let's say, 30, um, 30 minutes after the show ends or tomorrow sometime, you think, oh, I should have asked this question. No problem. Pop me an email and let me know. And I will address it on the next show, and, um, and I'll definitely respond to you so that you can get the information. Okay? So I'm doing a, a check here. All right. We don't have anything so far. So let us – and I do – I thought I saw a caller – um, I think that, that you popped out, but if, if you call back in at 347-539-5372, I hope that you call back in because I, I would love to uh, know what your question or comment is, so please, please give me a call back. Um, I, I quickly saw, saw something, and then I didn't see anything, so I think I missed you, so I, I do apologize. Please, please call back. Okay, tips for the medical appointment. So. What does the patient need to be seen? The medical ID card. That's the card that you get from the actual carrier. That's the, that's the company that pays the bills and covers, covers all the services. And so they need the medical ID card and their own ID, picture ID, driver's license, something that will let them know that they are who they are. And then there this is something I'm going to just throw this in there because this can be something that you have for you can you can get before you actually get to this particular appointment and it will be uh, referral. So let's just say that um, the primary care physician tells you that the patient has to see a physical therapist for their leg, so they're going to give you a referral. And very, very important for this referral because there's a code on there that's going to tell the actual specialist what to do. And it's going to tell the insurance company how to bill. So this is a very important document. You want to leave with that document. However, there are circumstances where you won't. And so in that particular instance, you want to either leave with the referral or know when that referral is going to be ready. Because before you get to that next visit, you want to have that referral in hand, or you want to know that they have it before they're seen. And if it's same day, because sometimes it is same day, they got to go to see the specialist that same day, then there's no time for that, and it's going to take a little while longer. Call the specialist before you get there. Say, this patient's on the way. Do you know who they are? You know why they're coming. What do they need to be seen? You want to know that before you get there. Sometimes they're okay to see them without the referral because they've talked to the doctor and they know what's going on. But you don't want to get there and they say, oh, we can't, we can't see them because these, these appointments are very close. So now you don't know how long you're going to be sitting there trying to get to see the specialist because specialists, I can tell you, that's the busiest office ever. That is specialized in something. It's hard to see them, and it's hard to get in there. So do yourself a favor. Know that they have the information. What do they need to 
What do they need in hand to be seen? Very, very important. And then prescription. Don't leave without a prescription. If the doctor says they need a new medication or they need, um, they need to change the medication, get clarity. Do you, you have your list there. You know what you need. So write it out. Phonetically spell it out. Dosage. How, how often, you know, you write down the prescriber, how it's taken. Write it out. And then have the actual physical prescription. And one great thing is that if they have the actual pharmacy in the system, then they can electronically send it. So that saves you time because that's another thing you want to do is you want to be able to save time. Because you have this person that is very ill and you want to be able to take care of as much as possible before getting them back to the house because you want to be able to get them situated and relaxed. So if they can get that prescription to the pharmacy, that way you can get it on the way home. That'll be instead of having to go and then get them, get them ready because maybe you're the only person that's caring for them. So now you have to, you have to go home and get them situated, and then, boom, they call you. Prescription's ready. Now you've got to get them ready to go back out again. And if you can avoid that, avoid it. Okay, so once again, I am looking at the email, Journey at gmail.com. Any call, 347-539-5372. Press one on your keypad when you are ready. Okay. Another thing, during the office visit, all office visits are the same when it comes to this time. You want to be able to have as much information as possible so ready so that you will have more time to care. Because the physicians, they really don't have a lot of time. If you get 20 minutes, you're doing good. You're doing really good. Because a lot of times they try to get between 10 and 15 minutes and they're on to the next patient because they have a lot of patients. And so if you can kind of convince that, that initial time of getting information, that would be really good. So have the questions ready. Have the referral ready. Have um, the information on what happened. You know, there's um, – there's a difference between medical history and providing information on what happened that day. That's a totally different thing, you know. And so if, you can, if something happened that day, you want to have it written out as close to the time that it happened so that you won't forget. And, you know, say maybe at 11 a.m. that morning, they had a horrible pain in a certain area, and it was close to the area where they had, um, they had the surgery, you're really concerned, and all these things happened. This is what you had to do, you know, really spell it out for them so that when, they, when you get there, you can let them know that this is what happened because that could actually change how they care for them. That could mean something that something's wrong and they need to address it. So it's going to be a little different than providing medical history that they have this condition that started on this at this time, and these are medications, and all that's in medical history. But that instance, that, that instance, whatever happened, that's something totally different. 
So you want to make sure that you record it and have that in your notes as well. And, of course, you also want to be able to have your questions and your answers. Um, have, the question, have your questions and have the questions from the patient. So that, and have that before you get in there so that they'll be ready and so they'll be able to answer those questions right away. It's going to be very important. It's time-saving. And, like I said, it leaves more time for the actual care, which can be hit pretty hard because of the fact that they have such limited time. All right? And then during the appointment, sometimes what happens, especially if the actual um, patient is unable to communicate, or they have difficult communicating, the doctor will start talking to you and then the patient's left sitting there. Remember what I talked about at the beginning of the show. The patient is not only dealing with the physical, but they're dealing with the emotional. And you can imagine, just imagine yourself, put yourself in the situation where your condition is deteriorating and you can't do basic things. You can't wash yourself. You can't walk somewhere. You can't drive yourself. You can just get in the car and drive yourself. All these things that we take for granted, you can't do it anymore. Now somebody has to do all these things for you. Slowly but surely, as things happen, things are being taken away from you, and you're just watching it. And then sometimes you get to the point where you're watching the world from inside your own. It's like you're in your own world and you're watching everything else happen outside. Imagine that. This is what I'm talking about, empathy. So at that point, when you realize that, now you understand how to, to handle this situation. So when the doctor is talking to you and totally ignoring this patient, what I did was I turned my direction back to my dad. I wanted him to know that he's involved in this care as well. He's not on the outside of this. It's about him. It's about what's going on with him, and I involved him. Even when he couldn't communicate anymore, I still went back to him because I knew him. He, he and I were friends. He wasn't just father and daughter. He and I were friends, and I knew him, and I knew certain looks, and certain looks told me, back off. Certain looks told me, ask this question. You'll get to know that person, especially if you already know that person well. It could be a parent. It could be your best friend. It could be your husband. It could be your wife. When you know this person, you're, you're, even if they can't communicate, you're going to know. And so you look at them and, and what do you think about that? Is that correct? Is that, am I describing the pain right? You know, just include them in the conversation. There's so much that's taken away from them. And give them that and, and let them have some dignity because it's so important. I can tell you as a patient myself, it's, it's important. It really is important. So in Chapter 10 of Step-by-Step Caregiver's Guide for Medical Appointments and Hospital Visits, time to talk to the doctor. And so this is where you're going to get all the information that I was just talking about. And... One of the things that I, I really stress is that about, I talk about things that I learned 
during visits, and and what I'm providing for you right now is what I learned, and you're going to have your own experience. And I, I encourage you to write down things that you learned too. And one of the main things I know, especially in the urgency situation, is have a notepad and pen ready. Have it ready and have the notes ready because you want to be able to provide information and take in information really quickly. And you don't want to have any time wasted. So be at the, be at the ready at all times. Just be, be ready. And so just to kind of recap, because there's a lot of information I just gave you, <laughs> just to recap, when you're going into the medical visits, and we're talking primary care physician visits right now, like I said, there's a whole lot of others. You can get that in my book, but right now we're just talking about primary. The notes, name of the patient, date of birth at the top of each and every page, the full name and all the contact information, including full address, email, fax number, phone number, everything about the primary care physician. Spelled out the pharmacy, full name of the pharmacy, address, phone number, fax, everything spelled out. And also you want to have, you want to have, because it's hard to get in contact with that doctor, right? So you want to be able to get in contact with the nurse or the medical assistant. So have that information as well. And even if you're going to see the primary care physician, you want to have it on that sheet anyway, because if there's changes, they can help you. But it's also for you. Remember, this is not just for them. It's for you as well. Then you want to, so you have the, 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 the doctor information, the pharmacy, and then have those meds. Make sure you pronounce the meds correctly. Spell it out correctly. The dosage, how they take it, you know, whether it's a teaspoon, 20 milliliters, however, however they take it how often they take it, who prescribes it, how they take it, when they take it. So, so important. You want to be clear, clear, clear. Remember, there are three things you don't want to get wrong, medications, treatments, and appointments. All right? So let's get in a caller. All right, caller, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me on the show. Can you hear me? Yes. We can, can you hear me? Thank you. Yes. Hi. Thank you for having me on the show. I have a question. I know that you're talking a lot about kind of like the process of caregivers, and thank you so much for all this information. Um, it's really helpful right now. My grandmother-in-law is actually um, in a situation where um, we're having to kind of come together as a family and care for her. But my question is more about... Um, my question is more about when you are caring for someone and um, with the pressure and the stress of having to make appointments and, and kind of manage their care and, you know, take over, making sure you have all the information correct, how do you, one, manage the emotions? Like what are practical steps to helping everyone involved manage their emotions during the process? And two, um, how do you continue scheduling appointments and making plans when, um, when your emotions are so high and they're kind of, how do you keep being practical, I guess is the question. How do you continue keeping the main thing the main thing and 
make good decisions at the same time because it's very emotional to be a caregiver, okay. especially when you don't know what the outcome is going to be. So just want right. to kind of hear your perspective on how do you manage those emotions and um, how do you manage those emotions so that you can um, do all of these things that you're talking about, um, yeah. especially if the prognosis starts to um, take a turn. And then when you answer that, I have another question. Okay. You, that, that's excellent because uh, my mom said something really important. You have to separate yourself. You have to separate the emotion and get to the business. That is so hard. It's easier said than done. I've done it. I understand it. She's done it. She understands it. And, but you have to do that because there are going to be decisions, especially as, as things deteriorate, there are going to be decisions you have to make. And that's why when I talked about earlier making sure that you understand the patient's wishes, you want to have things written down. And it's really good to have that information up front when you start and when the patient can communicate with you. So you want to take as much off your plate as possible because you already have this now. So now you know that they want to be home. You know that they're okay with being in facility. You know there's certain things that are okay. You know that they have have a do not resuscitate order. You know all these things. So having that information, arming yourself with information is so key. Organization is so key because when you are in that, that moment, when you know that the end is near, your brain is scrambled. And so if you're organized, that is helpful, so helpful. Have that resource, have it organized. And then all those questions that you have answered, you can take that off your plate because now you know how to handle it. But you, also, you have to separate the emotion from the business. How in the world do you do that? One of the things you do, and I, and it's, breathing, it, you kind of, you kind of, oh, you have to breathe. You have to take a step back. You have to breathe. You have to get away from, from anybody who, because, you know, sometimes you might get in a situation where people are just talking and, oh, you have to do this, you have to do that, and, and then all that, too much. You have to separate yourself. You have to, I need a moment. I need a moment. Get away. Get away from the situation. I remember being in a round table where it was very evident that all the, the specialists were stepping back, care was stopping, and I lost it. I said that this is not happening. I, and I, the, 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 the head person pulled me out, took me to the side, I had to calm down. I had to realize what was going on, and I just had to say, okay. For me personally, faith had to take in. The God, you have to take this. And, and, just, and I needed my help. And I had my help, and then I had my help from people that supported me. You have to have a support. And you have to talk to people that know where, have been where you are so that you can really get clarity on what you have to do. And so you, you have people in the medical profession, you have people that are offered, you know, offered people in the, in the hospital, get that information, have those conversations, gather, 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 so that 
you will be you will have that clarity and then you can move forward. I appreciate that answer. Um I think my other question is um as you're doing all these things, um one of the how do you when you're keeping the main thing the main thing and you're setting all these organizational pieces up, how do you continue to do that and continue to organize yourself? What do you do when you start to get pushback from, like, insurance companies and um, mm-hmm. resources that you're reaching out to? How do you handle that? That's when you ask for help. That's when you ask for help because you never know. That's the thing that people don't really take the time to learn who's within their within their um within their church, within their family, within their friends. Leave no resource unturned. You ask everybody. Have you been in this situation? Because somebody there could be somebody that could actually walk you through that process. There could be somebody that did exactly what you're doing right now, and you don't even know it. Everybody you know, you need to make sure that you ask, have you been through this? Do you know somebody who can help me with this? Sometimes you may need an attorney, you know, because all the legal language. You ask for help, you get those resources, and then you take some time, ask somebody to care for the patient, separate yourself from everything so that you can sit down, you can breathe, and you can review everything and then you can get a real good game plan together. And when you have that game plan, take it to the attorney and whoever can help you. But um, leave no resource unturned because you don't know. And there's a wealth of information on the Internet. Get it. Use it. But make sure that um, that you are specific to your situation because, of course, You know, there's all kinds of information out there, but you want to make sure that you narrow it down to what you're actually going through. I definitely really appreciate all of your help. Um, As I stated, um, we're kind of we're kind of dealing with this with my grandmother-in-law, and one of the things that we're kind of seeing is like, um, one, it's hard to be a caregiver, and two, it's hard (laughs) to be a caregiver of a caregiver. Um, yeah, because that's a whole other thing, right? Like helping someone as they care for someone yeah. is hard. Yeah. Um, so, so it's yeah, definitely um, very helpful. It's definitely very helpful mm-hmm. to have all these tips. Um, and uh, and if I want to get your book, how do I get it? So you can go to my website at www.anikemadison.net, and I made it very easy. You, you find the cover, click on the cover, takes you right to where you need to go. Or Thank you, you go very much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Don't hang up now. All right. So we're going to the next caller. Caller, thank you so much for being for, for sticking out and hanging out. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yes, thank you. Um, to the caller who you just uh, had, I have this suggestion, is that it's hard 
when you have an emotional attachment to the patient. So if it's a family friend or whatever, it's hard. And if you're emotional, then those around you are emotional. Nothing is, 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 you can't get anything done. I strongly suggest that whoever, that you work in teams, you have to have somebody that the caregiver will listen to. It doesn't have to be a family member. It can be somebody out, just like the, the uh, host says. If you have to get in it, whoever you can get that, has, that can analyze the situation for you, that the caregiver will listen to, that person will be the one that does all the organization, does all the paperwork to help you. And then with IT today, they can email everything to the physicians to, and let the caregiver calm down because every decision made is not the right decision if you're still emotional. And whoever's attached mm-hmm. to her is emotional, then that won't help. So you need really to search out someone they will listen to who would be, uh, who will be even-minded and who will stop, separate from the situation, and organize everything so that it can make the process easier. And that's, that's really what you need because as long as there's a lot of emotion and you're hard-pressed to separate yourself emotionally, I just don't think that anything's going to develop the way you want to, and that's not a good thing. So everybody's emotional Absolutely. and nothing's getting that, done. So yeah. I would just suggest that you just awesome. search somebody out you, that can help you out there. Yeah, you said some you said some really key things as far as separating yourself with you is getting somebody who is not involved in the situation. That I think that's a very key thing that you said. Um, because they're not gonna be emotional about this. And, you know, the attorney or whoever that is, I think that is really key. I'm glad you said that. Okay, thank you. Wonderful show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for your comments. And thank you for that information because, um, and it's, it's so true. This is a very emotional journey, especially if it's somebody that you're close to. I mean, you can imagine. You're sitting there and now you're watching this person and there's so many different things. They're either disappearing on you or maybe they're, they're, you know they're going to pass or they're struggling or they're in pain. It is heart-wrenching. And it really can take your breath away. And so self-care, that's why I started at the top of the show. I'm not kidding about that self-care. You have to take care of yourself. and You have to make sure that you have your own life your own things going and, and making sure that your passions are not forgotten. I didn't have a lot of time because there was a lot of important, a lot of things going on. But I tell you one thing, I never forgot my passion. I wrote, I wrote the Gospel Truth articles. I wrote short stories. Um, I, you know, I, I got paid where I could. I never forgot my passions. I kept up with things that I was passionate about. And I never forgot my dreams and my hopes. Don't do that. It's very, you have to have your own because you're giving up so much of yourself. And that's the, the other tip that I was talking about, tips for the caregiver's own journey. Not only you have to have the self-care, but you have to hold on to your passion. And on November 15th, 
on my JIP inspiration moment. I'm going to try to have it posted by 7 a.m. I'm going to give you three tips on how to do that because I worked that out for myself. I really, really, and you know me, this is Journey into Passion, that's the show, right? I can't let you forget about your passion. It's not going to look the way it's, no, it's going to normally look. You're not going to be able to do it the way you normally do it, but you can't forget about them, and you have to, keep, you have to hold on to them. Because there could be a time, and you don't know when that is, when the caregiving journey ends. Then you go through that transition phase. And then you have to go back into figuring out what your next chapter is. So you got to hold on to those things and get the help that you need so that you can pursue the things that you really want to pursue. Because, yes, a part, part of your purpose is to care for this person, but you also have another purpose. The other purpose is to fulfill your passions. I don't care if they don't look the same. There's something you have to fulfill. Don't forget that. And I wanted to make sure you come back on November 20th at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time because I will be talking to my mom, Sylvia Madison, who worked full-time, and she got rest, and then she took over the night shift. I don't know how she did it. We're going to be talking about it. My coworker, Nita Itzel, she will talk about working at home, and being a caregiver, and then returning to work. Talk about emotions, right? And then myself, work, not working at all, and being a full-time caregiver. So we're going to have, and my mom also did the long-distance caregiver. So we have a lot to talk about. This is going to be a very, very important show. First-time caregivers, make sure you tune in. All caregivers, wherever you are, make sure that you tune in, because that's going to be a very important conversation very, very, very well-rounded. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This has been a great show. You can tell how passionate I am. I am so passionate about caregivers. I have other things in store for you, so make sure that you stick with me, www.anikmadison.net, facebook.com slash journey the passion with Anike S. Follow me on all of my social media platforms, and follow and make sure that you Keep up with Everyday Folks Radio programming, blogtalkradio.com, that's Everyday Folks Radio. Once again, thanks, thanks, thank you so much for listening. Let's take care of each other. Let's take care of these caregivers. If you know a caregiver, make sure that they hear this podcast. Get them a resource. Buy them a book. Give them something. It's so, so helpful. Have a great rest of your weekend. I really appreciate you. I really hope that you got out of this film, that you got inspiration, you got encouragement, you got a good resource. I helped you build a resource. We've got started, and I hope that that resource really helps you. Listen to the show back if you've missed anything so that you can create that resource for yourself. I wish you great success on your journey into your passions and caregivers. Listen, if you're doing your best, you are doing great. Always. And if you haven't heard it already today, you are appreciated. And you got this. You got this. All you have to do is care about it, get that information, and stay organized. God bless you. God keep you. Let's take care of each other, especially during this time. Take care.